the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's a piece yours truly hosted that I trust you will enjoy. Standing by and waiting for Kristen Wagoner, who is the uh, senior vice president of the U.S. Legal Division for the Alliance Defending Freedom, also has a huge communications role with ADF. Uh, you can follow her at ADF on Twitter. Kristen, welcome. Good morning to you. It's great to have you this morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. Uh, I spent yesterday grading 27 papers from my First Amendment seminar on American Legion versus American Humanist Association. They had to present their papers in the form of an amicus brief, and they split 50-50. I personally believe the court is going to uphold the cross remaining and overturn the Lemon precedent. What do you think, Kristen Wagoner? <laughs> well, come on, Hugh. You know that I shouldn't be prognosticating on what the Supreme Court will do when we have cases there, but I am very optimistic about the ultimate outcome. What they will do with Lemon, I'm not entirely sure. Right, it would be now, great if they overruled Lemon, though. It would be great if they overruled Lemon and gave us some clarity, right? That's what I tried to teach my students is that there really is no predictability on static monuments or actually any establishment clause case. Absolutely. It's a difficult area to litigate in because of the lemon test and the court's realization over years that it just doesn't work. It's not a functional test. Now, Town of Greece did go with history. And uh, could you tell people what Town of Greece held and what the history test would be if the court were to adopt it? Well, the town of Greece involved um, a city council legislative, it was a legislative prayer issue, and they wanted to have prayer before their city council meetings. That was challenged. Um, it was one of ADF's cases and went up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the court basically ruled that it's a historical practice that has gone on for hundreds of years. And as a result, um, because it's a historical practice, it, it should continue. Um, and some have ad- advocated for that same test as applied to monuments. Um, there are many that would say there are different establishment clauses test- tests that should apply depending on the circumstance. So you will have a test for monuments and prayer and perhaps a different one uh, for other issues that you, you might face. But the historical test is just have we always done this? Has this been permitted by um, our founders moving forward? And then we should continue to permit it in the future. It just seems to me that the history test would make so much more uh, coherence, make for more coherence in the lower courts. Kristen Wagoner, now let's turn to uh, something the court did on April the 22nd. It announced it will review three cases next term that address whether discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity violate the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Those are Altitude Express versus Zarda. Bostock versus Clayton, and I believe Holmes versus EEOC. First, do you expect ADF to be involved in any or all of these cases? Well, the Harris Funeral Homes case is our case, so yes, we Aha. will. We're we're that's our case, so we're very involved in it. And so, when you got that grant of cert, were you supporting a grant of cert? 
Yes, we represent Harris Funeral Homes, and the issue in the case is, you know, Congress has passed Title VII in 1964, which prohibits sex discrimination, and the lower court is suggesting that sex suddenly includes gender identity. Now, uh, Kristen Wagoner, to me, I'm just a little old con law professor who says read the statute. I actually think Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh are pretty inclined that way, as are Justices Alito, the Chief Justice, and Justice Thomas. How could the 1964 Act have anything to do with sexual orientation? That, I think, precedes Stonewall. I mean, it's just not on anyone's mind in 1964. No, and it wasn't. Um, And I think, you know, sex is objective. It's based on biology. Gender identity is a fluid, subjective concept, concept. And we have to be able to say that business owners can rely on the laws that are in place and not expect a judge to change those laws based on political ideology. Um, So, yes, I think it's a simple question, but the issue in our society and in the public square is more complex. And as you know, Congress is considering changing the law now, which if you include gender identity in, um, in these types of laws, there will be all kinds of negative consequences, especially for women and children and the rights that women have gained in the public square. But if Congress chose to do that, that would not mean it, it that would mean it was not a constitutional issue, but a statutory issue. I'm more concerned with courts reaching into old statutes and inventing new rights because there is no there is no stopping that kind of judicial activism as opposed to negative judicial activism, putting genies back into bottles. When you let genies out of bottles, they go everywhere. You're absolutely right. Federal courts should not be able to rewrite statutes. Um, it's just, it's not their role. And if Congress wants to change the law, it has the authority to do that. In this particular case, changing the law would wreak grave consequences, I think, uh, for our society that many people aren't aware of at this point. Now, there are also state laws on the books concerning uh, uh, LGBTQ discrimination, and those are free for the states to uh, interpret, fashion, and apply. My question to you is a practical one. Three cases granted cert. You are the lead counsel in one of them. How do you folks cooperate with the other two counsels, and what will be the actual division of argument and briefing mechanics come the summer and next fall? Well, as you say, there are three cases. So uh, two cases were consolidated, and that is the Bostock and the Zarda case. Those cases will be consolidated and heard together. And the question there is whether a court can read sexual orientation into sex discrimination. The question in our case focuses on gender identity, and so it was not consolidated with the other two. It's a completely separate case. The court may hear all three cases at the same time, but we wouldn't be sharing oral argument in the consolidated case because it's a completely separate case. Now, we no, I was unaware it. of that, Kristen. So it's possible that they'll do back-to-back oral arguments but consider the cases separately. They will consider the cases separately. They've consolidated the two and then kept ours separate because gender identity is a different concept than sexual orientation. Although the legal principle, as you say, is exactly the same, that business owners should be able to rely on what the law says, not what a judge wants it to be. Right Now, uh, then, do we have a date for argument in your case yet? We do not. Okay, so you have all summer ahead of you to spend just laboring over the briefs. I'm sure that looks like fun, uh, but you're used to that. Before I let you go, Kristen, I need to get updates on Baronel Stutzman and on Jack Phillips. These are two 
uh, defendants that you have been in the trenches with for many, many years. Let's start with Jack Phillips, who runs the bakery in Denver, who succeeded in the Supreme Court in having his free exercise rights upheld. But then the Colorado Human Rights, whatever it is, the, the Human Rights Police came after him again. Where does that stand right now? We have won. Uh, we won. It was a tremendous win uh, for Jack, and we are so delighted. But it was not without a lot of pain and effort. 24 days after the Supreme Court ruled in our favor, that commission decided to go after Jack again. Um, a transgender lawyer decided that uh, they would ask for a cake with blue and pink icing uh, to celebrate the gender transition. And again, Jack politely declined that message. Um, the commission came after him. We filed a federal lawsuit um, instead of going through the star chamber of the administrative tribunal, overcame a motion to dismiss, got in discovery and uncovered even more, even worse evidence of hostility by the new commissioners who were echoing the same sentiments of the old commissioners, comparing Jack's beliefs to despicable rhetoric and to those uh, religious beliefs held by Nazis and slave owners. So we had a tremendous victory in his case. When we uncovered that evidence, they came to us and said, please dismiss your case. We're dismissing. We're not coming after you again. Um, So hopefully he can return not to his normal life because you can't go back and start a business on day one that you've lost over the course of six years. But he is getting his new normal back, I hope. Congratulations to you and Alliance Defending Freedom. It's a good time for me to tell the people if they go to Alliance Defending Freedom, there's a $600,000 matching grant, which they can participate in right now. Bring us up to date on Baronelle Stutzman and her florist shop in Washington State. Well, Baronelle continues to operate her floral shop, but she's not able to engage in the wedding design business, which for her is a great loss um, for any good florist it is, not just financially, but in terms of what she loves to do. For her, it's been six years as well. Uh, In Masterpiece, the United States Supreme Court, when it ruled in Jack's favor, vacated or wiped out the bad decision against Baronelle in the Washington Supreme Court and sent it back to the Washington Supreme Court and said, you need to reconsider what you said in light of what we've said in Jack's case. So that's fully briefed. We're just waiting for the Washington Supreme Court to decide that case if they rule against us, which is possible. It shouldn't be, but it's possible. Uh, We will again take it back up to the U.S. Supreme Court and ask them to hear it. Okay, Kristen, let me conclude by asking, uh, what else is on the horizon? ADF is always busy, always working. What else is on the uh, horizon right now? Well, we are contending on the Equality Act. The significance of that act and including gender identity is monumental. We represent uh, a number of different women's athletes, including 16-year-old athlete who ha- was denied a birth to the state tournament because two boys beat her, um, even though she'd won in the past. Um, and we're representing Downtown Hope Center, which is a women's mission where they're working with sex traffic women and of the Alaska Commission's coming after them in Anchorage saying that they must admit um, a man who was dressed as a woman who was visibly injured and drunk um, and allow him to sleep within feet of women who have experienced tremendous domestic violence. Um, And if not, that's gender identity discrimination. So that case is moving forward. We represent New Hope Adoption Center. It's an an agency um, in New York that is going to lose its license because it places a priority on putting kids in homes with moms and dads. And we have a ton of free speech cases in the university context. Um, We have over 400 university wins, but we can't keep up with the number of times and ways 
universities are going after conservative speakers through security fees, imposing those. Ben Shapiro, you may have seen those um, in in the news, um, as well as speech codes saying people saying to people, you can't speak in this particular place. You need a permit and things like that. So um, we're we're very busy. Uh, <laughs> these are opportunities. They are opportunities, but they do cost money. And I close by reminding people if they go to adflegal.org, they'll see there a challenge grant of $600,000 to help those who are suffering for their faith. Every dollar you give up to 600000 will be matched. Now is the time to do that. Kristen, always a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy your summer amid the piles of briefs and the filings. Well, those are great things to do. Thank you, Hugh. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.